What's up, everybody? Welcome to Lost Link, the podcast with Muff Barber and Yogi Nickerson, where CL data is disabled and no topic is off limits about unmanned aircraft or the United States Air Force. The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the participants and do not represent the United States Air Force, the Department of Defense, or any other federal agency. This podcast contains some profane language and is not suitable for all audiences. Yeah, it's true. We don't know how to start it. So what we'll do is we'll start with some silence so we have a place to to cut. (laughs) So, Yogi, how does or how should the Air Force uh, sell the MQ-9 to maintain its relevancy? The MQ-9 is uh, on the short end of the stick, kind of like the A-10, right? So famously, years ago, 2015, 14 or so, uh, the A-10 was on the chopping block from the Air Force budget and uh, as a general at a WEPTEC conference at Nellis Air Force Base that made some commentary about how anybody who contacted their senators and congressional representatives about the A-10 uh, was a traitor or should consider themselves a traitor. <laughs> I and, did not know that. Yeah, that absolutely happened. Okay. And it was a big thing. You can go to All right. JQP about that, if That's... that guy's still a thing. But similarly, the A-10 is a, was basically a one-trick pony, and these guys are fighting for budget, and they're trying to put their money into multi, uh, multi-mission-capable aircraft, right, because it's more budgetary conscious, never mind the fact that the F-22 is hundred and 25 million dollars a pop and the a10 is considerably less the mq9 is subsequently experiencing a similar thing to the a10 because it is not stealth it doesn't have high-end avionics on board it doesn't even carry a radar warning receiver right now right and thus as we make this pivot to asia uh, into the pacific theater we lack and and the and the ucom theater yeah and ucom (laughs) Got to plug that. Not not to not to undersell Yogi's excellent work, um, <laughs> but as we make this transition to fighting back towards a near peer peer, yeah, you can just call it a peer. Uh, but I know, vote the, we I vote we never term, say near peer, or we keep a near peer counter. The term of art is near peer. So as we transition our focus towards those and we enter another Cold War, this time with China at the front, the MQ-9 is not going to be capable, as it stands now, of you know penetrating deep on you know early days of the war and taking out strategic level targets. Should we be pushing that? 
there's an entire concept of Ghost Reaper and all these other things that are going to try and maintain the relevancy of this platform developed to fight a in a coin environment, you know, chasing individuals, uh, high-value targets, and the MQ-9 is exceptionally good at that, better than pretty much every other platform. But we're going to a new environment. Should the MQ-9 maintain its uh, its status as one of the more useful airplanes in the inventory? Should we... What, like, why doesn't the Air Force want to bring the MQ-9 into these near-peer fights? Right, so first of all, uh, the problem is we're expensive, right? And we're expensive in kind of a roundabout way. Roundabout, because yeah, if you definitely like look at some of the uh, the charts and the the reports that show like the cost per or the operational cost per hour of flight and all that fun stuff, we're definitely cheaper in that sense, right? It's like fifteen thousand dollars to fly a to fly an MQ nine for you know an hour or something. Uh, Whereas an F-22 is like 60 expensive as shit, right? And that's total operational uh, cost. So how are we more expensive? So the, the plane itself, and I don't have the figures right in front of me, but the plane itself is... We don't research much on this podcast. Yeah, all right. <clears throat> the plane itself is not that expensive. And to fly it in terms of like gas and maintenance costs like on the pl- on to like in terms of repairs on the plane yep are not that expensive and we it turns out though that flying a 24/7 remotely operated plane is very expensive in terms of human costs right and that's the the, the screeners the maintenance the multiple pilots and geographical separation every guy that has to be in yeah every guy area. that has to touch it and there's a lot of guys that have to touch the MQ-9 for it yeah. to go do its mission. Um, Plus you're flying it all yeah. day. So yeah. you're racking that up on yeah. a daily basis. It's expensive. Yeah, all day, day in, day out. We have to have people in multiple, you know, multiple geographically separated locations. We have to have maintenance guys at the, the stateside squadrons. We have to have maintenance guys over there, right? Um, when we start adding that, and we have to have screeners, when we start adding that bill up, it starts to it starts to be a pretty hefty figure, right? Um, if the Air Force, if we like, it's the unlimited wants and needs, limited resources thing, right? If we could do any, if we could just spend everything that we wanted to do, and we had no no end to our pocketbooks, we could do whatever we wanted, right? Yep. But we have to we have to choose where we're going to invest a limited amount of resources. Um, the question being posed to the MQ-9, it seems to me, is if it cannot be competitive in the opening phases of a peer fight. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go with that. I don't care about the what's the the word of art or the phrase of art. Yeah, the term word. of art I think is the, the, the term, correct phrase of art. The term of art. We're gonna say if we can't get into a peer fight. Um, and be useful on the first couple of days, which is a contested, degraded, whatever the fuck the acronym is for that. Yep. CDO, contested, degraded operation. Yeah. Um, then, then we need to, you need to be damn cheap, right? And if you're not able to fight in that CDO early offensive 
environment like the first five days of a peer fight and you're not dirt cheap well your head's on the shopping block sure um so the way that our community has been trying to combat this it seems to me having read a few papers um written by some uh well-meaning individuals um just to try to increase the MQ9's play in that that earlier contested environment, um, and to emphasize that, I I think that that's a a losing a losing argument a losing fight. Um, the MQ9 is never going to be the MQ9 is never going to be a stealth penetration fighter right and we're even if we put small diameter bombs on it even if we have long range yep. agms or whatever right yeah it's the the it's going to have limited use in the air to air heavy surface to air fight yep right in the beginning of an offensive um i think trying to play into that argument really aggressively to prove to the people that want to see the platforms expensive like if you're an expensive platform you have to do this yeah um that that we're never going to win that argument right so the the argument is always on those those generals terms right the fighter generals like let me just call it what it is um and they're gonna say okay cool you marginally increased your capabilities you're still not as good as you know x y or z thing see a dude um what really needs to happen you already mentioned the a10 which is a very a dwa example to bring up the uh, that is yeah the mk9 is most closely yeah uh, compared to the a10 and ironically not just like in the combat realm where it's all primarily air to surface yeah stuff but it's also kind of a one-trick pony <laughs> right yeah and, and thus not favored by the air force and the and the one-trick pony is a really denigrating phrase sure um because the whole point of winning the air war is what we're going to do after it right when we have our air supremacy and the air yeah. force has never really valued the follow-up right never really valued CAS, yeah right and, and 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 leveraging that air superiority that's been won to choke and suppress what's happening on the ground i think china or iran or any of these countries that that we think of as peer or near peer threats which um on day five or day ten is a lot more like afghanistan than it is like day one Right, if if we are successful, okay, um, and what we want to do then is absolutely choke the life out of whatever is on the ground, leveraging our air superiority, and no platform in the history of air power does that better than the MQ9 for a variety of reasons: the accuracy, the loiter time, right? Yeah, loiter being one of the big ones, and yeah, the, the ability to push that video everywhere. Yeah. Um, 
whatever we are looking at or covering with MQ9s just gets annihilated if it's not if the MQ9 can get in there, right? So I don't even think annihilated is a strong word, but yeah. but I, I understand what you're getting at. We're not like going in there and smoking like entire villages and carpet bombing and blowing shit up. But if we're after a specific target, we yeah. find it and it goes away. Yes, it it cannot persist, right? Uh, so what I think is that. It is fine to increase the play or to argue about the play of the MQ-9 yeah. in a, in to, to increase its its capabilities and increase the capabilities of our pilots, increase the capability of the platform in that more contested environment. Yep. The real argument is about the value of CAS and the fact that the MQ-9 right now does it better than any other asset in the, in the, in the uh, inventory. Um, Probably from a technical aspect, we are exceptionally accurate, more accurate than pretty much everybody else, right? To include the A-10. Absolutely. The A-10 is traditional cast, right? Is a, you know, think fold a gap, you know, tanks and all that other fun stuff rolling through it is considerably more survivable and its presence in a coin environment just the sound of it and the sound of the gun and the sound of the bullets impacting even if they're not hitting their target i would think often has the ability to bring an engagement to an end even if they don't kill the enemy right so the so there's some the point the point the there. point is not about measuring schlongs with the a10 yeah yeah right yeah. the the point is that the Air Force has, in my opinion, consistently undervalued, right, the what happens with the air supremacy afterwards, as as evidenced by the axing of the A ten itself, right, yeah. or the the diminishment of it. To be clear, I think they're uh, working on like re-engineing and re-winging the uh, A ten, and the A ten is going to survive for for a while. But so, welcome to the next round of budget cuts. <laughs> yeah, and fighting again for your life. I think that we need to start talking about in a, in a more full-throated way like what happens on day 10 and 15 what happens later in the war right and, and asset that an asset that can really leverage that air supremacy air, air superiority in a way like no other asset can with its precision and loiter time absolutely has a place in the inventory um sure no questions asked right we don't we don't need to prove ourselves in the cdo environment to the same degree right and i think right that that it's a it's a false either or right like if you need you need to be able to uh, false equivalency yeah well you need Is to that be what you're looking for you need to be able to like do this stuff in the CDO environment, just like an F twenty two, or you're getting the axe, right? Yeah. Um, well, that's not our job, right? Our job is to take the air superiority and make the ground war a living hell for the Chinese or the Iranians or whatever, yeah. right? Um, it's kind of like a, a fireman is not going like he's not going to go out and be multi purpose, also policeman guy right yeah. like they they have distinct roles for a reason yeah and getting rid 
or devaluing or sunsetting early um, an asset that can do all these things with the air superiority in a way that our other assets can't is frankly dumb. And we need to stop selling this that right setting it up as if well if we can just meet this bar in the cdo environment then we can stay is right? that we as in the uh, rpa community yeah 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 if we can just meet this bar in the cdo environment with our small diameter bombs and our long-range hellfire then then we can convince you know a fighter general that we should be funded right yeah um we need to change how we think about this, right? Like we need to, that's a sub, that's a sub, subordinate argument, right? That, hey, we can do this thing with the air superior that you won for us better than any other asset in the inventory, at least in some respects. Yeah. You know, maybe pair an A-10 with us if we got to f- blow up a bunch of tanks as well. But, um, and by the way, we can also have some play more than previously thought earlier than thought in in the contested environment yeah and honestly this is the weapon school's argument is that the mq9 is can survive when force packaged correctly right when you bring some higher value targets some things that you know is going to draw the attention of that surface air missile operator but the the but it's the emphasis right it's the emphasis that matters right the emphasis is that i don't even care if we're force packaged right in that environment like we we need to talk less about that and we need to talk more about the wrecking ball that a fleet of mq9s in that airspace is Okay. Late, later on in the war yeah and just and sell that yeah, rather yeah. than be so focused on trying to prove to the experts of contested that we can get into air interdiction you know war fighting that we can get into like a cdo environment that we even if we are forced back together we need to be selling the idea that that's not important that's why we have f-22s and f-35s is to deal with those environments to allow the mq9 and the a10s and everybody yeah. else to get in there and do the yeoman's work of wrecking shop on the ground yes absolutely right and you know if we can have more play on the fringes and that stuff great but the time like we need to it's like an advertising campaign right we need to change how we talk about this right that sure. we're not a that we're not just fixated on trying to prove that we can play in those assets game right right we that we we play this entirely different game and this game is also very important it gets yep. played after your game and you need to win your game for us to do it absolutely so if you got to take care of that shit great but we also need something that does this too yeah and nothing does that better than the mq9 right now i think i believe yeah i, I will um, buy that argument is the problem that we're trying to sell this to fighter generals yes so you've read the book rise of the fighter generals or maybe not read it but you're at least familiar with it yeah uh yeah so general premise uh for the rest of you um the the book the rise of the fighter generals uh goes through the storyline kind of some uh, i don't know big brain thinking on 
how did the fighters become a thing? Because the Air Force was born of strategic bombing and the idea that a bomber and a bunch of formations with a bunch of guns and stuff is going to go smoke, you know, all the... They, Do hey. Yeah, yeah, right. And they're going to go destroy the instruments or the, or the, the places that create this, the, the machines that create the airplanes and create the ball bearings and the, uh, all the factories. They're going to go destroy the implements of war before you're able to turn them into actual things, right? I think long-term, Julio uh, Duhay has been proven wrong. Yeah, I, that was just a stra- not, not, strategic not, bombing. Not wrong, but I, I don't know that strategic bombing has ever really won a war, right? Well, and the bombing of civilians, in particular with Duhay, is, Correct. is the not the not-so-great part. Sure. I mean, whatever. Uh, I'm not saying I want to bomb civilians and stuff like that, but you bomb all of them, and then you're going to win the war, right? <laughs> so... So he's he's not necessarily wrong in his premise, but it's kind of a well. The Blitz would prove otherwise, right? Well, that that's also true, right? It, it, well, I think the Blitz would prove that bombing all of the civilians is much more difficult than you think. Yeah. Right, because they're just going to go underground, and your bombs then have to be that much better to get them underground. And good luck doing that, right? Yeah. Um. So, the Air Force was born of this concept of strategic bombing. That was the primary argument made by all. Of the guys. Well, and you can uh, just look at all the old Stratcom bases, like in California. I'm thinking of Mather Airfield uh-huh. and Columbus Air Force Base. It's a B-52 ramp. Yes, it was. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Right? And, and 135s. Are, yeah, and those are no longer Stratcom bases. Sure. So back. To sure. You. So we we, we kind of I wouldn't say we divested ourselves of the the bombing capability, but we basically have two bombers, right? The B-52 and the B-2. That's it. The B-1, not real anymore, I'm pretty sure. That, like, the B-1 was cut short, right? The production line was cut short, oh, so they never looks, had enough But it looks so cool. It does look cool. <laughs> it's got a cool cool kind of mission, but they're always broke and, you yeah. know, whatever. Swept the Air Force wings. would be best to just dump it and sure. move on to something else. Um, and maybe that's what they're doing. So they're taking a lot of B-1 pilots with the plan to turn them into B-21 pilots. But I digress. The Air Force is born of this idea of strategic bombing. So for the longest time, bombers, all all the generals and things are, are the bombers. Bomber generals, the guys that are gaining all the glory because they're the ones that went to Tokyo and they're the ones that went to Hiroshima and Nagasaki and gained all this glory in World War II, right? And the fighters, a very necessary thing, was always like these spunky little like renegade guys just out there to have a, you know, I don't know, a good time to chase down other airplanes and support the bomber mission. Um, and that lasted basically until Vietnam, right? So you've got Rolling Thunder 1, Rolling Thunder 2, all these like big massive strategic bombing campaigns over North Vietnam, and surprise, surprise, it's not really doing that much. Uh, the NBA is still flowing down. Uh, the Viet Cong are still, you know, able to get resupplied and, you know, wreck our forces down there in the you know, the border regions between North and South Vietnam. And bombers were having a hard time hitting bridges, right? To try and close off some of that flow moving from North Vietnam into South Vietnam. Um, Up until the point where they brought in, they developed and designed the first precision guided munitions, so Paveway. And it is the the fighters that are equipped with the pod 
they can laze the target and deliver these bombs. And they actually start blowing up bridges around Hanoi and places like that. So now the fighter pilots are the ones starting to gain the glory and achieve the mission success. But it is not because they are fighter pilots or better pilots or better at leading or anything else like that. It is because the technology that they were able to employ that the bombers were not allowed them to gain that particular bit of glory, right? And so then slowly into the 80s and into the early 90s when SAC and TAC are killed and turned into Air Combat Command, one big thing, the fighter generals in that moment, or the fighter pilots in that moment kind of rest control because they are the only ones that have a history of really killing shit and breaking things and gaining some glory. Yeah. And slowly, like we sit here now and we're talking about how are we going to sell the MQ-9 to fighter generals and all this other fun stuff. And I think we'll probably end up in a similar uh, pattern. The technology is just going to win that fight for us. Aviation is slowly becoming commoditized. It's, It's just becoming easy enough to do that I don't need somebody in it because the computer with a you know a SAS or stability augmentation system is capable of keeping the airplane in the air, right? The F-16, an aircraft from the 1970s, is fly-by-wire, and the pilot has a vote in what the aircraft does, but the aircraft will prevent itself from exceeding you know particular ops limits and stuff when those systems are engaged. So we've known how to do this for like 30 or 40 years, right? Let sure. computers fly the airplane. Yeah. And that's ultimately what's happening with the MQ-9. We tell it what we want it to do. It says, I can't roll that much. Yeah. Right? Uh, because you're going too slow. So speed up, dummy. And uh, Yeah, it's not a guy in a sop with camo. Like, if you roll too much, you're just going to... You're just going to fucking roll over. Right? right. Right. So aviation is becoming easy enough. I mean, you've got the RQ-4 that is point and click. That there, There's no control stick for the RQ-4 um, and it's capable in doing its mission right so in time the limiting factors or the limb facts of the pilot are going to be overcome by computers and we'll be able to just program these things to go out and do their mission that will become something of a persistent munition because when there's no pilot in it you don't have to land to take a piss so you just click your F-65 or 69, if you will, uh, in your little StarCraft-like interface, and you you know <laughs> right-click on the, the tanker, and you say, all right, go there, get gas. <laughs> Airplane goes over there, gets gas, and it stays airborne, right? And in time, the RPA will be just become the future of aviation. But will that necessarily result in a the advent of, say... RPA or remote generals right, uh, in the same way, right? So this, I doubt it. Yeah, that that could branch into a much. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge topic. A right huge there. topic as well. Um, maybe we'll save that for you know, yeah. you know ep- next episode here. But the uh, but like backing it up onto how who's performing the function in the organization like eventually becomes the the the, the leader of yeah. it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, there's an interesting video by Steve Jobs, or this, where Steve Jobs is talking about Xerox, 
um, and you can go look it up on YouTube. It's a, it's a great little video. But the um, he's talking about how Xerox snatched defeat from the jaws of victory in the 80s when the, when they should have been the Microsoft of the 90s. Yeah, they probably should have. Um, but didn't they invent the mouse? And yeah, like yeah, and all kinds of shit. Um, but what happened at Xerox, um, at least according to Steve Jobs, is that once they had a monopoly. Right, the, the tech guys, the guys who invent the product guys, the guys who invent yeah. the products, they um, they got replaced by the advertising and the marketing guys because once you have a monopoly share on the on the market, well, once you're at the top and you've got the yeah. single like best Ma- technology, yeah, making a slightly better printer or a slightly better computer than the one that's already the best doesn't get you more sales. It's the the ad guys that get you more sales yeah. at that point. Um, and so the company slowly was transformed into a company that was run by marketing people yeah. and pushed all the product people out of key leadership positions. Um, is this, this kind of like uh, Intel nerds getting uh, all the awards at RPA squadrons? <laughs> Love you, Intel guys. It w- it, we wouldn't be able to do uh, pretty much anything without you, but you know, glory to the pilots, I guess. Yeah, I could I could buy on that. Um, <laughs> and Intel, you're you're the you're the sales and the marketing team of the RPA world. Um, <laughs> I got really uncomfortable yeah. right there. Um, <laughs> quick, quick derail. Let's put this thing back on the right. All right, the, the, on the um, Xerox. Yeah, yeah. engineers no yeah. longer the kings, and it's yeah, now yeah. marketing. Well, guys. and not even the kings; they got pushed out, right? And then and Xerox crumbled because all the all the talent for product left. Mm-hmm. Um, don't get too in the weeds on that. No, but, no. But essentially, this is talked about in the book, the innovator's dilemma, as well. Mm. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm not on my own island here. Sweet, but the um, so so the organization right will follow what's getting the job done, right? And, and you describe that as, a, as it pertains to the Air Force, right? And how that transformed yeah. from STRATCOM to the fighter generals and, and in terms of, the, you said glory, right? Yeah. But it's like, who's accomplishing like the actual mission? Sure. Um, who, who's writing the best OPRs? Yeah, who gets, to, who gets to pin those sweet aviation combat medals on right. their stuff for like blowing up real stuff. Um, what airframe in the past, 15 to 20 years has by far done the most actual blowing up of shit mm-hmm. and running the mission that this country has had to do in terms of tactical combat aviation and what airframes have have, have maybe had a, a subsidiary or or smaller part to play in like the overall volume and production yep. um who led that strike, right? The counter-strike in Afghanistan against the ISIS-K, right? Was uh, that... You mean just the other day? Yeah, just the other day, right? Was was that an F-16? No. Was that an F-15? It was not. Okay. Well, uh, airframes for 500, Muff Barber. <laughs> what... What 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 airframe do you do you project was likely responsible for that? What is the MQ-9? Uh, we have a winner. So ding, 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 ding. 
Um, we're in an interesting place where we are having to, with the bulk of the the real content that's happening, at least in terms of Air Force combat right now, or it has at least in the past yep. time, we're having to justify ourselves to people who have not done that right we're in that transitional phase where the 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 rear guard of an earlier age the fighter fighter general age right wants us to talk about our value and what we bring to the fight on the terms that they're familiar with right and to justify them on justify ourselves on their terms right yeah um and it's it's going to be a painful process right but i i think while this is happening and and maybe there will be remote generals um and and whatever that means in terms of like not just rpas but all the other platforms that can be associated with that that are going to be more as what did you say technocratic and more automated what was the word you used for commodified commoditized Commoditized. aviation is being commoditized yeah so more of these like remote abstract commoditized technological implementation of of kinetics right yeah um persistent munitions yeah all that stuff yeah yeah. that that the people who run and think about that and implement that might might eventually uh we might have a book called the rise of the remote generals right at some point yeah um if it is it will be about this time period right now but if we try to like if the fighter generals try to prove to the to the bomber generals that they can carpet bomb right they're going to lose that argument right, right. if they start they, trying they can't to bring the munitions right right it's the same sort of thing right like we have to advocate in terms of what we can do and what we have been doing and and just we have to imagine that beyond the scope of what what fighter generals see which yeah. is we have to win by day five right day one through five yeah is what's burning on their mind well there's there's stuff that's important that happens after too so the, the argument needs to shift we need to change the terms of the argument to that latter stuff for, yeah. for all these reasons so yeah and, and we have to be change. aware of our audience and we have to be aware of who's you know for so, lack of a better, in power right and and culturally and intellectually in power who's captured the the vision and the imagination of the air force it's those guys right yeah and but the air force is in a in a weird i won't say a weird spot but they are different than the army right and so there is a there's a certain oh god i would hope so yeah, yeah yeah there's a certain portion aspect of this thing that is maybe this is why the air force doesn't like hasn't liked cast that much we say we do we believe we do and honestly i think people do people in leadership positions do they understand the importance of CAS. but it's supporting the army and what differentiates the air force is the air-to-air component army doesn't do air-to-air yeah i mean the navy might but it's on a very small scale just to you know defend the boat um the ship sorry navy um and the Marines just, you know, all their aviation is in direct support of the Marines on the ground, right? That's basically all yeah. close air support, and that's what the Marine aviation is about. So what differentiates the Air Force is it's 
ability to do this like higher level strategic, you know, air to air thing and eliminate the the opposing yeah. enemies air air to ground capability, right? So tangentially, the Air Force is acknowledging the importance of air to ground by destroying the enemy's air to ground capability. Okay. Right? So but we don't acknowledge it like head on and acknowledge that air to ground is tremendously important. Hence why it's so important to have an air force to kill that air to ground capability. And you, you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we need to more uh, directly acknowledge the fact that air to ground how important that is and that is where the mq9 is going to make its money in selling itself to future conflict is saying listen air to ground is the most like arguably the most important aspect of what it is that the air force provides and does we need air to air to ensure that capability yeah and instead like and man i don't know the more i talk about it, the more i'm like People have to understand this. Like th- this isn't like that tremendous of a concept. And the argument is not that the MQ-9 should be going out to do air to air, is that the MQ-9 and remote aviation is susceptible to not going to su- it's not going to survive in contested environments, which is what we want to be able to do. Maybe the argument here needs to be that yeah, MQ-9. <laughs> Goodbye. Because we can make survivable airplanes. Yeah. They can go in and do things. We just don't commit to it because the MQ-9 was designed as a hunter-killer to go kill... In a completely uncontested environment. In an uncontested environment. So it would be nice to get to a point where China is capable of... Like, like we re-roll back China or Russia or Iran or anybody else to where those environments largely become uncontested because we are just that dominant. Yeah. Right? Um well, and that brings up a good point, right? Like, is it the is it the MQ nine per se that we give a crap about? No, no. I I do not think that the MQ nine right needs to live a day past its replacement, right? Correct for, for any reason. But my point is that if we're gonna get rid of the MQ nine, yeah, there better be something that can do the same thing, but better at what it does and then better it contested right sure um i don't want to just slough it off slough it off you know into the nothingness just to just to do air to air right and to talk out of both sides of my mouth here um the air to air is incredibly important right like we have to be yeah. we have to be successful at that yeah. or like none of the rest of it matters it's exceptionally important yeah but the flip side of that is that but why do you do air to air? Exactly. What's the point of winning it if we don't have anything that can really leverage it or we can have stuff that can kind of exploit it. the gap that yeah. you've created? Yeah. So an asset that can do this high loiter, high precision, persistent reactive attack, right? That that the MQ nine can do. Yeah. Right. That's worth a few bucks to maintain that capability in some sort of platform that can do that in addition to spending a whole lot of money on ensuring that we can win the air-to-air war, right? Yeah. Um, my fear is that in, in a sort of myopic vision, 
we're looking at cents and dollars and what can win a war sure. right and fo- too too much focus on air to air and too little and too much focus on maybe other ways to spend money in the air force that's your day-to-day like realpolitik right yeah yeah but is is that this this close air support which for the reasons you said the air force does not find as sexy to itself right even though by virtue of the air force existing we acknowledge that the air to ground is like it's reason to draw yeah we we Um, constantly uh market the fact that no U.S. personnel have been killed by you know enemy air power since like yeah. 1950. Yeah, you know one or you know whatever. Yeah, I mean we constantly hammer yeah, on yeah. that, and so in that sense, we are acknowledging the importance of air to ground. Yeah, and the importance of removing the enemy's ability to conduct it. Yeah. Uh, Human beings live on the ground, right? Indeed, they do. Um, At least for now, uh, until we have cities that float in the sky. Yeah, know. or, or um, just orbit the Earth or whatever. But yeah, human uh, beings do live on the ground. Sweet, sweet. Little <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> caves, but uh, I had I had a good one. I forgot where I was going with it though. Hmm. Air to ground, importance of air to air to provide air to ground. It's not as sexy to the Air Force to itself. All right. Well, okay. Well, well, I'm I'm sure we'll be able to get back to it. So let me ask you the next question. Okay. So I mentioned the realpolitik of you know budgets and all that fun stuff. If you were the generals. Uh, responsible for making decisions in this area like how would you how would you do it it is expensive to build aircraft that can go in and gain air to air superiority or air dominance or what whatever you're looking for right and you do have a limited budget despite muff barber's belief that money's not real um (laughs) (laughs) well ask the ask the u.s ask the congress about that well yeah of course course but clearly budgets aren't budgets aren't really a thing um to the dod who is given a budget right by congress and stuff and a certain dollar limit that they're allowed to spend it's very real to them right so if you're the guy with the purse strings like where do you put your money if you're trying to go in and be capable of rolling back a pretty competent nation like china you gotta find money in some places right hence yeah you kill off your you know one trick ponies to use a colloquial term there so i get it so what like what other options are presented we can make ourselves cheaper so that is one option uh you're saying we could yeah we can okay uh let's I think a lot of people are aware of this, but like, let's the the screener footprint. Oh, like all the. Uh, yeah, we got we got intel. That, we got intel people. guys in the squadron. We got intel guys, you know, at a, at a DGCS. Yep, yep. You know, somewhere the hell. All. Yeah, they're all looking at the feed and telling doing, you what it is that yeah. you see because they're trained imagery analysts. Got it. Let's 
You're saying we should let's just axe one of those components. Off. Boom, gone. Move. Goodbye. Let the pilots and the sensor operators. Well, get them the tra- get, get those guys the training that they need. Yeah, right. And if we're gonna have intel guys move them into the squadron, right, and have the screeners in the squadron, right, yep. or or get rid well, of the intel. Are guys you in saying the bring back mix? Yeah, but then make the mix like proper, like make them like screeners. So in the past, long time past. Yeah. Uh, so 2010, when I started flying these things, a lot of those guys were imagery analysts. Yeah. Not so much anymore, but they were imagery analysts, and we still had screeners. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying you don't. But you don't need that. Correct. I agree. Right. I, like. I, I agree. Uh, that's one thing, right? Like yep. we ask that. Uh, DCGS is distributed common ground system, I think. Uh, that uh, if I recall correctly, means and, it means screener squadron as far but, as I'm concerned. But they also but, like the like there's a video distribution aspect to a, to to their systems and all this other fun stuff. So there's some other things that you'd have to work around. But I, I understand what you're putting down. Yeah, or we axe the intel in the squadrons and just have the the screeners in their facilities, right? Um, right. I, either way, like we gotta cut. We gotta cut on one side of that. Okay, so if That'd we're trying to be cheaper, we can cut some intel personnel yeah. somewhere inside the entire yeah. ridiculous uh, organization and yeah. bureaucracy that exists. We have been trying to not yeah. not eliminate, but for kind of redefine intel support to the MQ-9 for a very long time. And he, um, and best here, of luck there. Yeah, and here's a mind blower: Do we have to fly every day, all day? <laughs> right. So right, yeah. like right. Right, yeah. The, uh, like, well, predborn, like my, honestly, most of the time, right? We're just looking at stuff. And yeah. Sometimes you go and you literally just look at this one point on Earth for eighteen hours, right, straight. And there's no real imminent tasking or anything else like that. Um, but I'm saying if we don't need that, and we're trying to save money, right, without without axing the platform, right, uh-huh. like. Do we activate like that twenty four seven cycle only when we need to do it? Well, right? or if it's been tasked, right? Like in does, the does environment, the pre- does the Reaper have to operate in a like twenty four seven capacity all the damn time? People love that Predborn dude. Um, but yeah, even if the MQ nine was just up at tw- you know twenty eight point nine uh, thousand feet, I don't want to say twenty nine. I don't want to, Boom! Yeah, I didn't want to hear it. But uh, so if they're, if the airplane's up at twenty nine thousand feet, um, just overwatching, like the strikes going on below the generals and the people at the AOC who are making all these decisions about what to go do next and all this other fun stuff, they want that video. They want that imminent. The imminent in the targeting pod is the number one capability on this platform. And yeah. it, ultimately, it is an intel thing. Now, my friends in the uh, the weapons side of uh, our community don't want to acknowledge that, and then they have good arguments because the MQ-9 is capable with weapons and attack and strike and all that stuff. The targeting pod is still the most important thing on sure. the airplane, right? So, so people are going to want that general, so they're going to want them flying as long as possible yeah general bloody blah at whatever joint command right uh doesn't get to make that decision right like I, you're putting me in charge of the air force budget so i think i'm above that's that true guy, right? all right so in this um, in this scenario you are yeah, above yeah. that guy 
I am the man, even though I'm uh, just Yogi. The uh, <laughs> um, in real life, I'll I'll leave this uh, leave this recording session and uh, feel very small as I'm driving back, thinking about what what could be, um, the um, or uh, what will not come to pass. But the um, I mean, like how how expensive is it to operate like a like an F sixteen on a twenty four seven cycle, right? Correct. So yeah, right. so we we have like, a false equivalency here yeah. uh, that we are we are not comparing apples to apples. Yeah, like their missions are shorter. Yep. Incredible manpower costs. Incredible, right? Like they got to take whatever whatever things that they need to ingest to be able to fly an F sixteen for twenty four hours, right? Yep. Um, Go pills, is that what you're getting at? Yeah. Yeah. Go pills, super expensive. The fuel, all that stuff, right? The, um, hit the tanker 12 times. Yeah. Um, there's no reason that the MQ nine needs to like be doing a mission every day, 24 seven a day with three hours of downtime. It's true. Right. Just to go stare at a thing. Right. Yep. Um, except in a coin environment where, yeah, you need but that's, that constant intel, but that's not to make your decision. Yeah, that's not a. But if it is so valuable, then why are we why are why are we on the precipice, right? Yeah. So it, it's kind of because like, in the next conflict, it won't be as valuable. Yeah. And so the MQ9 probably doesn't need to fly as often. Yeah, and the costs will be lower, right? So we could we could sketch out the math on do yeah, yeah, yeah. do I'm, all that kind of stuff, right? We'll, um, we'll get another bottle of whiskey and. Yeah. We'll start doing that. No, we won't. But the, <laughs> well, I won't. I'll be going home. The um after I sleep it off. But the um so there's that, but beyond that, really I would just say, hey, like spend as much as you got to to win the air to air fight, right? Which I don't think is cash limited. I think that's just that's probably innovation limited. That's just raw engineering limited right yeah because um, i think we're probably already throwing more money at it than 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 we can buy right like sure. the, we're buying all the improvements we can't buy right yeah well um, no maybe i don't know how does the mq9 not have a radar warning receiver on it yet well not for the mq9 i'm talking about the air to air gotcha stuff, right? okay Just development for that and stuff right there so right i don't think money is already an object on that end i mean i'm just saying let's uh Let's maybe hold off on building some new gyms or whatever the hell, right? Yeah. And let's let's develop Get rid and of some or bands. maintain huh? Get rid of some bands. Yeah. Let's develop a new persistent ISR attack platform that can do what the MQ nine does better, or yeah. let's keep the MQ nine and upgrade it. But right, it shouldn't be like if you are not if you don't if you're not a key player on day one of the air war gtfo right that that should not be like the automatic like knee-jerk feeling when we're looking at the budget right like it seems that way right it should be a very strong second to the air to air i feel like um and then who gives a f how we spend the rest of our money right (laughs) but like let's buy those two things yeah first and worry about every other damn thing last right yeah um rather than let's get air to air then all our gucci stuff and then yeah by the way fcas right and f f uh you know all this other stuff that the army and the marines do yeah so would the mq9 just be better 
chopped off to the army because the army cares very, very much about Cass, right? But they don't seem to care that much about developing the professionalism in the in the or pilot the seat that they, themselves. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. I agree, and I've I've had this argument that like really. Everybody wants to talk about the Air Force and the Army and all these, like, everybody's got their own different roles and the, you know, Air Force guys, they, I'm in the Air Force, I can think in 3D and, you know, <laughs> you know, it's not a linear battlefield for me. It's like, whatever, man, like, if you gave the Army the budget and the, the, and the ability to, like, buy airplanes, they care about air to ground. Yeah. They care about air to air because that enables yeah. air to ground. Like well, all the air forces is an, much like space force. It's just a, an organizational construct. Yeah. You know, we're all within the DOD. So this isn't special to the air force. Uh, but I feel like I've gotten off on a sidebar rant. Uh, well, you're saying should the cast portions or like the air to ground function just be rolled completely into the yeah, sister maybe, maybe like or would that work yeah or do we just take all the army shit from them right which is what <laughs> right. i've thought for a long time so the air force but, becomes the army and yeah we just, we just take all the well we just we just fly all the things that fly oh gotcha gotcha right like and then the navy because boats and marines because marines right they can yeah do why that. don't you have an air force squadron on the carrier yeah you do that too right that's probably like chain of command type of thing yeah. and all that you could shit. attach it, right? But like that, we're getting crazy now. <laughs> we are getting crazy. Um, the, uh, <laughs> um, you got a bunch of army guys jumping off a navy boat instead of marines. Yeah, I, the army's done uh, amphibious assaults as well. Like, right, the, the army cares about infantry, right? But it also cares about artillery, right? Yep. And, and and how those things work together, right? Yep. Um, and it cares about lo- logistics for all that stuff and how that works together. Yep. Right. Why can't the Air Force care about two things, right? And I want it. I want it to care about two things. And it st- does. Hmm? It does. Air, cyber, and uh, until recent events, uh, space. But now we don't care that's, about space anymore. That's not real. Air, space, and cyber power is just a. This is a freaking bumper. Right. Sure. Well, like, what? What do we? The the Air Force is a good place to house those capabilities. Space Force, sure, I'll okay. grant that Un- you can okay. split that off. Cool. Well, we we should have split cyber off first. But L- let me let me dice it anyway. This. Let me dice it this way. So under right. air, under air, right? I want air to mean two things, not one. Okay. Right. Um. Needs to mean air to air. And it also needs to mean air to ground, right? And not air to ground, just kind of like the ugly stepchild. Sure. Now, whether you just want to like chop that off and just be like, army, here you go, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, that's a conversation that could be said, had, but. Um, but to that end, I mean, the army recognizes its importance and how remote aviation can contribute to their mission, right? Because they have their own version of the predator yeah the sky warrior with its yeah, own which, you know, which is different design which and is ridiculous i don't know why the air force allowed <laughs> them to have that right like <laughs> as far as like turf battles are concerned right yeah. like right all things fixed wing or air force right yeah with the exception of navy marines right they get their exceptions right but between the army and the air force right yeah we fix wings 
dip our toes in rotary, right? But you do rotary, right? You can mm-hmm. you can have your rotary stuff. Um, why the hell did we let them take our fixed wing MQ1 Charlies, man, and 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 botch it up so much? But because there was a need that wasn't being met, and they needed they want they All wanted the that internal to their own thing. Yeah, that's true. Um. Because I don't think the MQ1 Charlies are that big on the Intel side of the house, right? Yeah, they're just mobile artillery, man. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Uh, and their pilots and their sensor operators swap seats. They're qualified in both seats. Yeah, and they're pretty ter- cool. And they're terrible. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying they're great. We're definitely better. <laughs> and that's what the Air Force does, right? We're, we yeah. are we are the professional aviators, and we make ourselves, you know, well, yeah, precision we, machines when it comes train, to that type of stuff. We train about air. We think about air. Right. right. We think about what it means to be airmen, right? Not just a flying piece of artillery. Right. Right. And, like, all the the depth and focus and care on that. Right. Um, so I think air to ground does have a place in the air force. Sure. Um, despite what the army thinks and despite apparently what the air force thinks, right. The, the air ground I think does belong in the air force and does deserve substantial cut of its budget. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting that the two platforms that the air forces looked at, uh, axing, yes, uh, a 10 and MQ nine are both primarily, Air to surface uh, attack platforms. I think it's, I, and, and I I think don't it's think, interesting, but it's not surprising. I don't think both of those platforms are like how primarily designed. The, how much of a one trick pony is the F 22? It's absolutely a one trick pony. Yes, but you could put a bomb on it and yeah. it could, that bomb could go to the but ground. It's the so po- therefore, it's, it's an the air pony, to ground. It's the pony that does the dressage that we like. <laughs> right it does the type of dressage we like up here right that that's what the f-22 is right the the a-10 is from down south yeah right? but it's but, not <laughs> it's not from uh, massachusetts right on some sweet yeah. country farm right but the but the argument is that <laughs> in a pinch the f-35 can do the close air support it can I, also I, didn't, I did not say the f-35 i know you didn't i know you didn't but they're they're tied and related <laughs> on, right on purpose and uh so those two like the F-35 can do that job. Maybe not as good, but is hey. that a... It, but is de- I mean, I don't want to say maybe not as good. Definitely not as good as an A-10. And an MQ-9 is going to provide other uh, benefits like loiter time and the ability to push its video everywhere all the time forever, right? Um, that is also valuable. So it's much... It, it does a lot more intel than an F-35 is going to be able to do. However, I'm a guy with a budget. You know what I mean? So... I can't afford all of them. Which ones am I going to get rid of? And I will sacrifice some of the capability uh, for the air to ground. Meanwhile, making the argument that the F-35 is just as capable, right? In order to make my budget, to make it happen. Because I'm spending too much money on a bunch of other dumb bullshit that I don't really care about. Like nah. benefits and like retirement packages and shit like that. I, I think we need to go more towards just having, we need to have more one trick ponies rather than, <laughs> rather than uh, these supposed jack of all trade airframes. And I think like, many people would agree with you on that. Aside from the fact that it's, these things cost real money and the Air Force cannot print its own money. So. <clears throat> I hate to talk about the elephant in the room, Ooh. but like, what's the F-35's price tag? 
right. expensive as hell. Right. I actually so, don't know. So how cheap and efficient has that been? Oh yeah, like I know that the the whole program is uh, horrendously more expensive than it was projected to be, and these things always are. Yeah, but so it's not any cheaper at the end of the day. At least recent experience tells us to 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 go that way, right? Or we could develop highly specialized platforms that are less complicated to develop, right? The F thirty five A apparently costs seventy eight million. So that's the Air Force version, not vertical takeoff and land, sure. and does not have the the beefy Navy landing gear. So seventy eight million per airplane, and it probably flies you know five hours a day uh, until it starts hitting the tanker forever and starts doing the F sixteen thing. But expensive, much more expensive than an MQ nine. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sold that we couldn't have just extremely specialized air to air, and we could not have extremely specialized air to ground, and have those platforms be designed and streamlined to do that stuff, and just call it a day. Yeah, I get that in a budget meeting, looking at some figures on paper and some capes on paper that it might be possible to sell something a certain way to other people who might be able to be sold on what's being presented rather than the reality of something. Yeah. Um, I don't really have much more to say about what I'm about to say, but have you seen the movie uh, Pentagon Wars? Kelsey Grammer? I have not. Definitely watch that movie. Um, Word. <laughs> it's the story of like some like this the Bradley the, fighting vehicle or something like that. But this is the first uh, first movie that Muff has ever seen that I haven't. <laughs> I don't know that that's true, but Pentagon Wars is apparently actually pretty accurate on how like acquisitions and stuff goes in the U.S. military, and it's a uh, dismal. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I, I strongly sure. recommend it. No, we'll I'm talk sure. about I'm it later. Sure. Um, and that's why you don't end up with many one-trick ponies anymore. Not only is you know it expensive uh, to create a bunch of those, it's expensive to maintain a bunch of those. It's expensive to have maintain like the the logistics tails that those things have, right? For parts and all these other things. This is why the B one sucks, is because they killed it too early so there's not enough parts and so there's it's damn near impossible to keep those things flying um all the best planes are one trick ponies well of course they're 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 like what is they're the ones how many tricks sexiest to us how many tricks does the buff do a fuckload okay it does everything from test to cast to talcums and long range you know surface-to-air missiles it does i'm surprised they haven't figured out how to just How's, shoot everything else that, down so it the, does and the, nukes and the, and the b1 can't do that stuff i mean the b1 can't do nukes by agreement right but but my point is the b52 has existed and is probably going to exist for up for a hundred years because it is so versatile it's basically just a big flying truck right yeah um and you can strap anything to its wings and there's plenty of room for guys to get in and run wires for the newest latest greatest thing like I don't know. 
give it another five years and they can have a hellfire on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It'll just fly sure. it lower. Uh, <laughs> and they'll put 500 hellfires on this thing. I mean, they already do that with the, the 130. The 130 is really America's airplane. Because uh, it, it does pretty much everything except shoot missiles at other airplanes. Yeah. And uh, the 130 is... I've seen some people argue that the MQ-9 could be tied to kind of the interdiction mission more so that like AC-130s and stuff have done. You and I have both been in flying airplanes in stacks with AC-130s. We've seen what they do and we're basically doing the same thing. They've got a larger crew so they, they tend to be a little more efficient at it. Sure. Uh, so I've, I've seen that tie in as well. I was going to tie this to the 20th but then in the middle of all that. Oh, like, oh yeah. The twentieth, the twentieth was really about the uh, the O one bird dog and you know oh. things like that. Not a not AC one thirties, right? But you mean legacy twentieth. Yeah, yeah, legacy twentieth. The ones with the with the with the good patch and the and the Snoopy stuff and the real history of the unit. And where the hey, the Snoopy stuff wasn't completely killed. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It survived somehow, and it will and it will return. It's still around. So, um. Despite the best efforts <laughs> of something, some people. So I don't know, man. Um, I think we get really wrapped up in, or some people get really wrapped up in the idea of the MQ-9. Like, there are some uh, lieutenant colonels and colonels in this community that basically have made their name with that. And I'm not saying that they're they're not small-minded people, and the like. All they can think about is the MQ-9, and if the MQ-9 yeah. goes away, they lose their prestige. That's, that's yeah, not what I'm saying. They're they are looking at this at a they're they're factoring in that budgetary thing, right? Like, why yeah. we don't need to build something else new that's going to cost more money and all this other fun stuff. We have a platform in the MQ-9 that we can make do these other things, right? If we put in enough time and engineering effort into doing the thing, so they're pushing for that thing. You could build Ghost Reaper, and it could be a more capable platform that can, you know, slip into uh, sneakier areas. And you can make it a more survivable airplane. It's not going to be, you know, the B two. It's not going to be the B twenty one, the F thirty five, the F twenty two, anything like that. But you could put some time and effort into making it a better platform versus just scrapping it wholesale right and building new platforms we know there are new platforms out there like i don't know what they are uh, but they have to exist right like how long did the f-117 exist before that was acknowledged so mo i would argue cool that plane my guess is that all of the new shit it's like flying out of you know places like tonopah and you know, Groom Lake and all that other fun stuff, largely unmanned. Sure. And I mean, that that would make sense, which means they have low probability of intercept like SATCOM and stuff like that. They probably have phased arrays that, you know, bouncing on frequencies and doing all kinds of goofy, goofy, but badass technical stuff to provide that survivability. So all this exists. And the MQ-1 and the MQ-9 were developed in a time when we didn't have that. And then we ended up on this track to do this thing, 
right? This is, this is why the, the MQ-9 is flown off an engineer's test station and not out of, you know, uh, a competent cockpit designed with, you know, human-machine interaction, like, as, as, a, as a core concept. I got all these variable information tables I got to look at, and this little, like, Fisher-Price control stick here on the right-hand side. Like, how do you not just pull a stick off an F-35 and bolt it in here with all the HOTAS and all the other cool capabilities? Well, it's because it's it's old shit technology, right? And But once you end up in that, like, path and that pipeline, you're kind of stuck because it costs money to change. Like we're, you're, we're lucky we have the Block 30... GCS man, the Block 50 is my guess never coming. You'll never see it. I like double keyboards. <laughs> to be uh, to be honest, I actually liked the the double keyboards as well. That KVM switch is very annoying. Um, but we shouldn't get too wrapped up in the mq9 but i understand like why people do and part of me fears that a lot of people who make this argument are concerned about i don't know ego and and we'll talk about this in a later podcast but the they need we need i don't know somebody needs like the story of the remotely piloted airplane to have a man with a throttle and a stick we don't need it not strictly required it's just bits it's just ones and zeros traveling across the data link right up to the airplane so you can do that point and click style uh, but when you do that you're going to lose that human element sure but to that point uh what's uh what's a nerve signal being sent from a brain to a hand and in lebron james right yeah. like it's just data right yeah uh, so i mean we yeah. can be reductionist about all that stuff to to an absurd degree sure um I agree with you. Have you have no free will, John. Yeah. None of us do. Nobody has free will. No. You you can't choose what thoughts you think. It's true. The um maybe. But anyway. No, you can't. Because <laughs> they appear ex nihilo. But the um yes, it's not about the MQ nine. And and I think this me may be a good place to, to end on, right? Like yeah. it, it's not about the MQ nine. What what is what I've been trying to talk about, eh, maybe successfully, maybe not. Um is the what the MQ9 means, right? And and what it what it is, it's in that in its essence. It's uh it's the advent of this persistent reactive remote capability, right? That persistent attack and reconnaissance. I I chose my words carefully there, Mom. Um I meant reactive because I right, see so fucked me up. But the um the drone does something, the MQ-9 does something that previously other airframes kind of touched on, but when you, when you combine these different aspects together, they formed yep. a, they formed a new thing that was different that changed the way that air power could be implemented for the yeah, first time. Yeah, and the, and the way we think about it. Yeah, so a missile is remote, right? I've been I've been making this argument that uh RPAs are the future because we have been uh, airplanes, manned airplanes have been losing the fight to unmanned airplanes since the 50s, right? Every surface-to-air missile is an airplane. 
to some degree like it's maneuvering in oh that's interesting in, you yeah. know what i mean uh they're they're single purpose type yeah. of things right but i mean uh, yeah i was talking more about like an icbm yeah 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 but uh, yeah like, but like an IC- same concept but an icbm is remote right yes um i'm gonna turn these but, two keys and I'm but it's blow not reactive right right it, it's we send it it explodes however many minutes or out you know minutes later right where it's going or hours or whatever yeah. right um I don't know what time of flight is on a ICBM, to be fair. Yeah. So maybe I'm just talking my ass. But it's reactive, right? Like uh, you send it, it goes. It's essentially artillery, right? So the time of flight cannot be that great, right? Yeah. Uh, because this is why we have people on alert 24-7 sure. to be able to respond. We need to launch our missiles before yeah. their missiles All right. Plowing ahead, it. plowing ahead. <laughs> right. You have traditional manned aircraft, right, that don't have the loiter time but are but are reactive right they they can react to what's happening that they can look out and see and, and and put effects down immediately right yep you also have satellites isr satellites which okay. are con- which are continuous right but they don't necessarily at least without the rods of god or anything rods like that. from god <laughs> they're not uh they're not kinetic right and, and any kinetics would be maybe potentially slow that's right? coming i think elon musk is getting on that one next yeah but when you combine the reactive continuous remote together you have a remote presence that heretofore is a unique and powerful capability and i would hate to see the advent of this new style of air power right which lets us do be the most deadly airframe in the last 20 years bar none just get axed from from a budgetary conversation right um this this remote presence needs to be valued and maintained in some capacity. I don't give a hell if it's an MQ-9 or not, right? Yeah. But we built we built this capability. It's amazing at what it does. It's changing what it means to fly a plane and provide kinetics from air from an airplane. It needs to not go away because in the short term it seems like a budgetary expedient. Americans tend to be pretty myopic. No, I know. That's why we're talking about it. Because Congressman X is, of course, going to listen to this podcast and <laughs> take everything we have to say at face value. And is going to... He's going to call us up in a week. He's going to call like... us... And he's going to call up the chief of staff in the next Pentagon budgetary meeting. Be like, why are we not funding the MQ-9 or the MQ-9 next? Because this thing, remote presence, this shit is the fucking shit. Man. More importantly, why aren't we funding the uh, Lost Link podcast? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's all I got to say about that. All right, man. Uh, it's been pretty good. I've uh, enjoyed this one. That was good. So, uh, till next time, folks. Uh, we don't really have an ending yet. We'll figure that out, and uh, you guys will get to learn and grow with us. All right. Good night. See ya. Oh
I know. 